Uh, just wanted to hit before we dive in. Um, they talked about it. This is really going to distract me. Uh, of the mobile mana for tomorrow. If you want to post a picture and tag us in it, that enters you in a chance to win a Chipotle. I was going to post this picture this morning, but I couldn't find it, and then I found it. So I just wanted to show it, because it's one of my favorites. It's me and Keegan, uh, circa 2016. Remember on the ski trip, if you've ever been on one, there's these videos that we have characters. I just love that picture so much. Felt like I needed to show it, but didn't want to post two. Felt, felt unnecessary, especially since I can't win. Feels wrong if I won. Anyway, um, like I said, I still get a little bit of fatigue later in the day. Uh, so this talk, I feel like I needed something to ramp me up a little bit. Uh, I love a, a good monster energy. I have that here. But something even more, something that just gets me jacked up and, and, and full of energy uh, is, has, have any of you ever seen the documentary series on Netflix, uh, Planet Earth? Yeah, Planet Earth. You at least know what it is. It's just the documentary goes to different parts of the earth. That just gets me fired up. And so I figured to start today, we could uh, start with just a little clip. One of my favorite uh, segments from planet Earth. So turn your eyes to the screen. We'll watch, we'll watch this. We'll all get energized, jazzed up together, and then we'll dive in. Woo! Gosh, yeah. I don't know about you, but like... You thought I was going to show you a video of snakes killing an iguana, didn't you? You thought when that thing got wrapped up, you were like, what the heck is he showing me? I don't know what it is. There are two YouTube videos that just, I've watched them like hundreds of times probably. And they just like, it's like caffeine for your eyes. You're just like, ah, yes, the iguana made it. I don't know why, it just jacks me up. If next week I'm still feeling a little tired, I'll show you my other one to start off. That has nothing to do with the talk tonight. I just felt like we needed that. I felt like we needed that. Um, so the last two weeks, Rich and Max uh, have done a great job. I listened to their talks while I was, I was quarantined at home, uh, kicking off this new series that we're doing uh, where we're looking at Jesus and everyday life. As we all know, we're in a year-long series fixing our eyes on Jesus. And so talking about Jesus every week, I feel like hopefully by now you've picked up on that pattern if you've been coming. And um, one of the things that we're going to dive into today... Uh, is I'm really excited about is Jesus and, uh, and how he cares for the poor and how through uh, in Matthew 25 we're going to look at this passage where there's kind of a blueprint for how we should do the same. And uh, we'll look at this this week and then next week we'll look at uh, Jesus and the poor but through a different lens. Um, and, and this uh, means a lot to me, this uh, particular category, and we'll get into that a lot more later. But uh, I'm really excited to be able to be back here this week. So Matthew 25, uh, if you have a Bible with you, if not, we'll go through um, some of the things up on the, some of the verses up on the screen. But I just want to kick, just, we'll just dive straight in and we'll get going. So first couple of verses from this section of Matthew 25, 31 through 33, it says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And so a couple things as an introduction to this section here uh, that we see. It's, it's an important introduction. You see uh, talking about the Son of Man coming into glory. He doesn't have some of the angels. He has all of the angels. He's sitting on not just the throne but his glorious throne there's a lot of description, there's a lot of pomp going on here. And this, this, you know how it has a little section headers in the Bible uh, for this section right here, right above that, it says the final judgment. So it's like 
big, fancy, flashy title and then jumps in with that kind of beginning. You're like, okay, we got to pay attention to this. This is important. And uh, the second thing that drew my eye here is uh, when it comes down and he's talking about all the nations are gathered before him. That's all the people, right? So we're, we're getting painted this picture of this Jesus, son of man. He's in this like big, important, angels are there, glorious throne, and everybody is in front of him. And, and he's going to separate like the shepherds, sheeps and goats. So we got sheeps and goats. This is important. You need to know this. I'm just kidding. You don't. I just, I googled sheeps and goats and this came up. I was, I haven't made a PowerPoint in a while, guys. I was excited. I needed pictures. Um, and so we have the sheep and we have the goat. And the sheep and the goat are, are a metaphor for two different types of people that Jesus, as the son of man here, is going to be sorting. The great shepherd, right? So you separate the sheeps, the sheep from the goat. And people at this time would have known that a shepherd uh, would not keep at night. At the end of the day, a shepherd would separate his sheep from his goats. They wouldn't leave them together overnight. And so you kind of are getting this imagery if you are uh, in the first century and you're hearing Matthew's words, likely you're hearing them read out loud. You're not reading them yourself. You're like, sheep's goats, separate. I got it. That makes sense to me. And then the passage goes on and we learn about the sheep in verse 34. We learn about the sheep. It says that the king will say to those on his right, the sheep, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you for the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. So the sheep, they're on the right, also known as the righteous. And then Jesus goes through this list. Uh, when I was hungry, when I was thirsty, when I was a stranger. And this list is important. It is repeated in the section we're going to be looking at four different times. And like I said, in the first century, most people would have been listening to Matthew's gospel read out loud. They would have been hearing this. They wouldn't have been reading it. So repetition in the Bible is oftentimes the equivalent of what we would see as like all caps, bold, underlined, exclamation points, like focus here, drawing your attention to this fact. It's repeated four different times. So it's right here. And then immediately after in verse 37 and following, then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you? They ask this question. When did we see you hungry? And feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you as a stranger and welcome you and naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? It's repeated again. So now you're hearing these things. You're like, okay, that's important. I got to tuck that away. And now we know sheep are the righteous ones. And they're like, Jesus, we're obviously not upset that you're sorting us into the good, the righteous. You're calling us righteous. You're calling us sheep. Like, we're, we're obviously not upset about that. But when did we do these things? They're asking this question. Uh, and the same thing goes for the goats later on. They, Jesus says, uh, but, uh, but the negative, right? He says, you did not feed me when I was hungry. You did not give me drink when I was thirsty. And this, they have the same response as the righteous. Uh, uh, the, other, the other side says, when did we see you and not do this stuff? It goes through the list again. And I think it's interesting that both the righteous and the non-righteous ask the exact same question, Lord, when did we see you? And Jesus' answer to both of them is the same as well. Jesus says to them, as you did to the least of these brothers, 
you did for me. And what Jesus is saying here is that they did not notice him when he was in front of them. They did not notice him in the least of these, their brothers. Whether they helped him or not, neither side noticed Jesus. They did not see him when he was right in front of him. And so there's kind of two big things that this, uh, that this passage is kind of telling us as, a, in a, as we look at how Jesus cared for the poor and how we too are supposed to care for the poor in our lives. And, and the first big thing here that I think we can see is that we're not supposed to miss seeing Jesus. We need, to, we need to make sure we don't miss seeing Jesus. And so that means we have to try to figure out from this passage, from the clues, like, okay, so who are, what does these brothers mean, right? Who are the least of these, my brothers? And not to bore you with all the Greek and stuff, but essentially there's, this is a big kind of, thing in, in the church, different, um, different churches, different denominations kind of take this translation slightly differently and, and even um, in, amid um, how you read it, you could see it differently. But essentially, you could either come to the conclusion that the least of these, my brothers, means our fellow believers that are in need. People who, a uh, brother and sister in Christ who are, have fallen on some hard times that need some help. It's like the, that is Jesus in front of us that we need to be taken care of. Or you could read it as not just fellow believers, but anyone in need. Someone you come across in any of these situa- type situations who, who might need your help. That is Jesus right there in front of you. And I think the correct answer to this is just yes, right? Like anyone, brothers and sisters in Christ especially, but anyone who is in need in front of you uh, could be Jesus. And what I mean by that is... Uh, Jesus calls us to be like him, right? Jesus uh, constantly throughout the gospels, we see him do all these miraculous things. And, and he's constantly serving other people. He is the son of man. He is God in the flesh and yet he serves other people. And so the second thing that this passage is kind of telling us is that we need to make sure we don't miss serving Jesus. We need to see him in those that we need to care for, and then we need to serve. We need to follow through on not just identifying and seeing, but serving as well. And the righteous, the sheep in this story, are commended for serving him. Uh, and, and there's kind of the four kind of uh, descriptions you could pull from these actions that are repeated four different times throughout the story. And uh, in order to not serve, not miss serving Jesus we need to be these four things. We need to have these attributes uh, for ourselves. We need to be humble. We need to be present. We need to be constant and we need to be available. And, and I'll kind of walk through those pretty quickly uh, as, as we look at this here. Um, so first one, be humble. Uh, in all of these things, it, it, it takes a little bit of humility, right? Uh, give food to the hungry, drink to the thirsty, welcome strangers, clothe the naked, visit the sick, uh, there, there's an element to that that's not just, oh, you did a nice thing for somebody, but there's like a true, like, the humility comes from the, your heart in that service, right? And, and I came across this quote uh, from this speaker at this conference I went to one time, and it says, true humility is agreeing with God about who you are. True, hum- true humility is agreeing with God about who you are. And I really like this quote because that then begs the question, well, who am I? Right? I need to understand who God says I am. Who am I in order to truly find the humility that God has for me? And 
the cool thing about the Bible is that there, it answers a lot of the questions if you just know where to look. Right at the beginning, the first page in the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it says, So God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. We were created in God's image right there in the long list of things that were created that God spoke into existence in the beginning. We were created in his image. So true humility is agreeing with God about who we are. Who we are is a reflection of God himself because we were created by him. And we see what we're supposed to be doing reflected in Jesus' own actions, right? Giving food to the hungry. Jesus, there's multiple stories about Jesus feeding the 5,000, feeding the 4,000. That's uh, all, all kinds of stuff. Drink to the thirsty. Jesus met the woman at the well and get, told her she didn't just need uh, uh, water, but, but she needed more than that. He met strangers. He was constantly visiting, healing, and healing sick and dying people. We are created in God's image. Is it any wonder then he calls us to act the same way that he did? But we can only get that with humility. Otherwise, we're serving, right, because it makes us look good, because we take good pictures for that. Like, there's, it's all about the heart of where that service is coming from. It needs to come from us being humble. Second thing is be present. This one kind of speaks for itself. Um, in, in order to do all these things, you need to be there. You have to be there physically. You, you can't, I, I mean, I guess you could like mail somebody like food, I guess. I don't know. Are you allowed to mail food? Is, I, I guess you could Uber Eats it. I don't know. But like for, for a lot of these, you need to be there physically or at least be there relationally. You have to have that relationship with someone. You can't just like throw a water bottle at somebody and be like, Serve Jesus there. I did it. It's like pegging people with water as you drive down the street. Like, no, like you need to meet them. You need to get to know them. You have to have a relationship. You need to physically be there. We need to be present in order to not miss seeing or serving Jesus. We need to be humble and we need to be present. Third thing is we need to be constant. We talked about shepherds sorting sheeps, sheeps, I keep saying that, sheep and goats. Uh, and the thing is, they would have to do this every night. It was a daily routine. It was built in to the flow, the ebb and flow of their life. And, and this is the final judgment Jesus is talking about. Uh, but, but our caring for the least of these brothers requires regular, constant practice. And uh, this always kind of takes me back to uh, missions, right? And kind of our missions program here, which is uh, a, a great thing. It has been a great thing, but it, there's also... A double-edged side uh, uh, to that. And because uh, missions is kind of like getting us to, to get into this servant attitude, right? It's teaching us through different trips, through different uh, settings, how to recognize, how to teaching us. The idea is to teach us how to see and how to serve Jesus in the least of these brothers. People who need help. It, it's kind of like spoon feeding this reality for us in an, in an environment. And the idea of missions is to go on that trip and then come back and take what you've learned and implement that like the shepherds into your everyday ebb and flow and uh we used to go to Nicaragua a lot when I was in high school uh this here's here's uh me in 10th grade uh this is like I could I there, they didn't have like phones with cameras on them like nobody took their phones to Nicaragua this is like the only picture I could find from my first trip to Nicaragua um but when, when uh, we were going to Nicaragua every single summer, um, it, 
it was interesting because on one hand we were taking these trips with like 100 uh, high school students, 115 high school students, and, and people would be like, whoa, that's amazing. But if you looked at um, the, the ledger of students each and every year, right, it was like a big turnover of, so it was 100 kids every single year, but it was like a different 100 every single year. And so what the staff did back then, uh, they had this thing. Um, it, I, it's, I'll call it an award, but that's not really what it was. It was just like a recognition, kind of like a participation uh, certificate. Um, but it was for, that they would hand out um, uh, on the, to seniors on their last trip to Nicaragua if they had gone every year that they were eligible to go. And so what I mean by that is, so for me, for instance, uh, when I was a freshman, they didn't let freshmen go on the trip. But I went to Nicaragua my sophomore, junior, and senior year, and, a, and one other guy in my small group did all three trips. And so when we were seniors, we'd gone three out of three times that we were able. And they gave us this little thing. It was, just not, it was like a paper plate award almost. And it, they called it the Not the Prom Award. And what they mean is um, it was just trying to help us like carry with us as we left to go to college the idea that what we did in Nicaragua those three times wasn't like the prom. We didn't take pictures and then you don't really know what else happened that night. Like, nothing else mattered. Like, it was, it, was, it was something that meant a lot to us. We didn't go. We skipped beach weeks. We skipped family vacations. Like, we made service in Nicaragua, like, a priority. And we tried to implement that into our lives. Not just for a week, ten days of the year, but, like, the extent of that. It was kind of, the, it was a little, little thing, a little memento in order to help carry that into our everyday lives. And I think sometimes uh, we can get caught up in the idea that going on the trip is like checking the box, right? And we even talk about on, that on the trips too. And so um, I'm interested to see if, if we can get into some sort of more consistent rhythm with trying to help identify uh, uh, seeing and serving Jesus in our everyday lives. Mission, not to say that missions are bad. I feel like every time I have this conversation or say this, it sounds like I'm like coming hard at missions trips. But it's just, it's something so much more than just once or twice a year that God calls us to be. It's supposed to be an example of something to bring back into our everyday lives to be consistent with. We need to be constantly seeing and serving Jesus every single day in the ebb and flow of our lives. And the fourth thing, uh, is we need to be constant, but we also need to be available. And this kind of begs the question, where is our attention? Where is our attention at? It's not just that, you know, similar to, the, to being constant, right? We need to be open to seeing more. Where is our attention lie? How much, how much time, like how much are you not freaked out when your uh, weekly screen report comes back and it's like double digit hours a day? Has anybody hit double digits? On their screen time? Yeah. And, and you're like, oh, cool. Ten hours of my day, I, I look at my screen. Like, I, I got that, and I was like, oh, cool. Like, didn't even think about it. And then later I was like, wait, was my screen report really ten hours of the day? Like, granted, I was, on, I was quarantining, so I didn't have much else to do. But, it, like, how much of our attention is on stuff that doesn't matter when we could be seeking out opportunities? I know it's different because we're on Zoom school, and I know it's different because everyone's behind masks and locked up, but like there are still time and, and places and, and people that are out there, God's people that need help. And I, and I guess what I'm asking is like just to consider the, the question, where is our attention 
at? Where does our attention lie? And how much time are we taking up with, with things that feel like we need to be doing them? And during that time, we are missing out on seeing and serving Jesus. See, we see Jesus in our brothers in need, and then we need to serve Jesus in everyone that we see. And I think uh, it's just something that's not going to happen overnight. It's not something that can give you a sentence of how to do that. And it's like, boom, everyone's good. We're, we're hitting this on to next week. Um, but it's something to consider. It's something to talk about. something to think about how to implement uh, into our lives. And so that's why I'm hoping our discussion tonight in small group leads towards uh, this more in depth. So I'll pray for us. And then we'll head out to small groups. And uh, Alana will hop back up for that in case there's anybody who doesn't know where they're going. Uh, but if you'll pray with me real quick. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this time where we get to gather and learn more about you and your word. Thank you so much for setting an example for how to serve uh, the least of these brothers uh, that we have in Christ. God, we love you so much. We're thankful for this opportunity that we get to have. And uh, we thank you for the safety and health of everybody in this room. God, be with each and every group tonight. Uh, be with us not only while we're here during this time, but as we head out, let us be your hands and your feet in our houses, in our communities, in our Zoom rooms. God, we love you and we praise you. And all God's people said, amen. amen.